Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radicalized, where truth survives and we got your back. I'm Heidi Kuda. Uh, this is a show about disinformation, who's behind it and what you need to know to help us fight it. And I'm here with uh, three of my favoriteest people and true warriors in the uh, disinformation wars and bringing the truth from the trenches, Jim Stewartson, uh, High up? Fidelity, and Sean Connor. And since this is our maiden voyage, would you guys mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourselves and what's on your mind? Jim. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been building entertainment and, and different kinds of reality, fun entertainment projects for 25 years. Um, and it uh, turned out when I started looking at QAnon that it was using a bunch of the stuff that I had helped invent back a long time ago. And that really pissed me off. And then the more I looked into it, the more I realized that actually, no, this is a global fascist takeover and no one's really saying that. So I, got, <laughs> I dusted off my Twitter account, which had 300 followers. And uh, uh, here I am 15 months later, and I have been yelling my ass off uh, this entire time. So I'm going to keep doing that until I feel like my kids are going to grow up in a democracy. Thank you so much, Jim, and thank you so much for the work you do. Uh, you and I did a pretty you amazing bet. piece in Byline Times, and that's how I got to know you. Uh, turned out we're neighbors, and I have stayed very close, uh, you know, to this tribe, uh, just so I can feel like we're doing something to battle it. And uh, your threads are very important, your Twitter threads. Uh, high Fidelity. Uh, high Fidelity, uh, I am a solution architect for, uh, well, you know, Global 100, Global 500 companies. Uh, I make networks that span the globe. And uh, when Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, shot two people, killed them, and shot a third and injured him. Um, I wanted the Give, Send, Go fundraiser taken down. And when it was not taken down, I started tearing into the people behind the Kyle Rittenhouse fundraiser and found a global network, uh, which I then mapped. And uh, along that path, I met Jim Stewartson and uh, some other people and we have been systematically working to take down this network and put these people behind this global fascist takeover in prison that would be the goal thank you so much for that high fidelity and sean connor hey that's me Whoop. anyway um uh so i um I have a small uh, litigation support firm uh, and my exposure to disinformation came by way of uh, discovery for various uh, mass torts that I was working on. What that means is that I was uh, reading and finding out about um, the innumerable ways that uh, corporate America has manipulated all of us for the majority of our lives, right? To, one ex to some extent or another, particularly in the healthcare sector. Um, so I got very, very concerned when I was seeing the same uh, tactics and tools that were implemented by the corporate America being implemented online to radicalize people for political motive. Um, not that it's any better or worse, but the same tools, techniques, tactics that I was reading about in Discovery um, going against the defendant, I was now seeing 
emerge online, sort of emerging out of the chans. Uh, basically, the um, the manipulation techniques, the the targeting strategies, the astroturfing, um, the digital information manipulation um, was now occurring in mass and for a defined political outcome. Um, so that scared the shit out of me. Naturally, uh, when that happens, what do you do? You turn to Twitter for all the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> As one does. Well, you know, that's where the battlefield was because that's where Trump was using the bullhorn. So that's kind of what drew us in. But uh, so just so our viewers know, Sean put together a band of uh, uh, a merry band of shitposting hackers to start doing a lot of investigations for some of the work he was doing. And he may have a small litigation firm, but he's got a major artistic talent. And that opening intro that you just saw and the music you just heard is all Sean. So we're super excited to have put this uh, this team together. Um, and quite frankly, you guys are my favorite people in the war because you're not only made of some serious tough stuff going to places that I can't go to uh, to bring us the news, but you're also uh, very kind and I appreciate you guys. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Heidi, real quick. I think we may have lost high fidelity. I'm gonna, high fidelity, if you can hear me, I'm gonna kick you out and then you rejoin, okay, bud? He's- yeah, this is. Uh, we didn't want him anyway. <laughs> this is DIY. Well, now it's easy. It's easier with just three of us, honestly. It's more more like low fidelity. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, this is a game of Survivor, right? <laughs> he just got close to the end. end. Yeah. We can talk behind his back while he's not here because um, right. in the time I met his uh, his one of his fifteen sixteen accounts that always gets banned because he trolls hard. Uh, I hilarious. Well, why do I come back to trolling? What did I do? You managed to get kicked out of your own podcast. Just... Wouldn't be the first time. I mean, you've, you've gotten kicked <laughs> off kicked Twitter out 15 times, so might as well get hey, kicked hey, off your own hey. podcast. How many people have been kicked off of Twitter by a Russian gangster? True. This guy. Yeah, Two thumbs, this true. guy. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a nice episode on that because that Russian gangster in so doing... Uh, basically forced you to examine his network, and it's pretty um, unsavory to say the least. Um, <laughs> but so hit so, dog gonna holler. So Jim has vouched for these guys, and that's how I became friends with them. But I actually saw High Fidelity reading my Twitter feed, and even though he had a really creepy avatar, it was uh, always really smart comments. So then once Jim sort of co-signed. I reached out to him and found a natural born news producer. And so that is why I'm thrilled that you're part of this because um, I think it's, we, we live in a, um, we live in a sea of 24 hour seven news shit. And it's very important not to lose sight of some of the big things that happen every week underneath all the look over here, look over there, squirrels and all the um, who can out you know, uh, who can be more horrible than the next guy to make a headline. So, um, so yeah, so that kind of is a nice little fresh intro on the crew here. Thank you, everybody. And um, I think we should just get right into why it matters. And if Sean, if you want to cue us up, that'd be yeah. awesome. Here we go, guys, one second.
God, the most punk rock show ever. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So hi-fi, what matters? What matters this week? What matters? All right. So uh, last week, the two things we got to talk about that are really top of mind is uh, Paul Gozar, Republican representative for Arizona. Um, he posts the anime edit online of him killing AOC and attacking Joe Biden. And there's a couple reasons that's important. We'll go into them in just a second. But the other part of that, those headlines, is Trump was defending uh, the chant, Hang Mike Pence, by the January 6th insurrectionists. And, you know, these things are important because they're stochastic terrorism. They are pushing people towards violence. And specifically, the anime video that Gozar posted uh, appeals to radicalization chambers such as 4chan's poll and uh, Telegram young anime kids who are radicalized online. Yeah, um, Gosar himself is quite quite the character, uh, huh. given that he's a seditionist and also is a partner of Nick Fuentes, who is an actual Nazi and is... Um, the head of the Groypers, um, who are, you know, the group of angry white incel um, males that, uh, you know, started Gamergate and have built this entire, you know, fascist um, ins insurgency, as Flynn called it. Um, it's amazing that that guy, who I call Nazi Slenderman, uh, <laughs> because he looks... Just like fucking Slender Man. I always thought he was a bobblehead. Like, you ever see his well, head? That's he uh, yeah, that's it. That's a, he, it's, he's got some kind of neurological, neurological thing. thing. I don't, you know, I don't get Are you sure? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, uh, but he, he does look like Nazi Slender Man. And he's a, uh, he is uh, partnered with an actual nazi and it's amazing that he walks the halls of congress well you know here, here's hoping he gets censured here's hoping he gets expelled shortly um and put put in prison for a really long time for endangering his colleagues and killing six cops yeah yeah and, too, and uh you know? i don't know i i almost i almost think he should be charged with a murder censure my ass he used a conspiracy to to commit murder absolutely he got Ashley Babbitt killed. Fuck you, I mean, did. And, and a bunch of cops. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so so that, all right, that was pretty heavy. Uh, the next thing is actually a lot more positive. Uh, Georgia flipped 41 seats blue. And the media has not talked about this at all. It's almost like we're getting targeted messaging through our media, maybe. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's huge. And, and speaking of elections, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, Glenn Youngkid, uh, who's the governor-elect of Virginia, his son got busted trying to vote two times. What? His son, his 17-year-old yeah, son, <laughs> tried to vote twice illegally. So, yes, <laughs> yes, Republicans, there is voter, voter fraud, fraud, and you're doing it. It's a... <laughs> Don't know where your seventeen-year-old is. He's out trying to vote again. 
So yeah, we're, right. we're going to talk about cognitive warfare a little later, and so I'm just going to drop this in here. The only reason Glenn Youngkin is governor-elect of Virginia is because of cognitive warfare, because a psychological operation was dropped into Virginia right before the election that got a whole bunch of white moms in the suburbs and, and rural areas of Virginia all turned up about this boogeyman where all the dark people are going to take over their schools. Um, so, so Glenn Youngkin has no business being there. And the, the tip of the spear in Virginia, guess who? Ivan Raiklin, who is Mike Flynn's fucking lawyer. So moving on. I apologize. And No, that's all important stuff. And before you move on, I just have a couple of theories. I was working last year in homeless services and there was a big explosion of social justice uh, you know, issues and everything was at the forefront of diversity, inclusion, every corporation, you know, put out a memo as quickly as they could, hired diversity inclusion execs and made it look like they cared about racial issues in America. And so what you just touched on, this whole backlash to that, uh, A, I think is very inorganic, uh, and B, I think you're exactly right, it's something that's been manipulated to scare people out of their entitlement to voting against their own best interest. Uh, secondly, I, I, I really think that this crazy ass extreme right wing, what would have been fringe back in the day pre-Trump, I really think that in order for people to talk about these guys, they do the worst things possible. They have no shame and they know they're gonna make a headline with some of these horrible things and not to throw you off, but I'm very upset by two things from last week. Uh, J.D. Vance's fake thread about his outrage over Rittenhouse. You know, I, I see how you guys sometimes just want to punch somebody. I looked at him as like a nesting doll for Robert Mercer and Peter Thiel. But I also was very offended by Peter Thiel's COO of his foundation standing there with his gun video. This is not for duck hunting. I'm sure you guys see this shit all the time. I try not to see it, but I, I just thought to myself, who is this guy? Who's this guy trying to shoot? What is he trying to say? Yeah, and that he, was- Look, I'm just, I'm just gonna say this once. Peter Thiel is a threat to democracy. He's a threat to humanity and he needs to be stopped, period. Yeah. Agreed. Started. Okay, well, I just had to get that out because again, this is a place where we can talk about this stuff and. If I keep it inside uh, me, absolutely, I'll, you should. Uh, that was I agree. Let's put it. I agree. If, if I keep it inside, I'll yeah. get angry, and you I won't should be able not to take action. No, we're here to we're here to vent for the let people. the poison out. Right on, <laughs> venting out. for the people. Okay, venting for the people. All right, okay, uh, last bye. story. Last story that really uh, matters is uh, well, Mark Meadows pulled a Steve Bannon, and we also got to saw how that turned out for Steve Bannon this week. Um, well, yeah, what? we'll see tomorrow. Well, we, we will see on Monday. Uh, the other thing that's really big good news is Mike Flynn got a subpoena. Love that. And uh, Jason Miller, the uh, individual accused of dosing his mistress with an abortive patient to make her miscarry and then not paying child support. Um, he is now running Getter. And Getter is based off of Guo Wenguei's uh, Chinese code base for social media, 
And if you also remember, Steve Bannon was arrested on Guo Wingwei's yacht. So there's a lot of Guo Wingwei behind the scenes here. Well, I don't know. No doubt. Thank you so yeah. much for that. Jim, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we move on to? No, Health just care? that, I mean, Bannon, <laughs> Bannon just goes around picking up billionaires and, and, <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll latch onto whichever one, uh, you know, wants to move him as close as possible to his apocalypse. Yes. So Guo is the, the perfect man for the job. I, uh, a friend of mine who used to work with him um, at Breitbart, who became quite the activist in the resistance, uh, called him a parasite in search of a host. And I always thought that was such a great visual. So I've referred to him as Parasite Bannon. And quite frankly, you know, sometimes you're just kind of like, shoot him into space, let him just go live in Belarus or whatever. No, he needs to be silenced. You guys know because you listen to what he says. Uh, how dangerous it is for him to continue to have a microphone. So let's hope. Well, he gets- he, he's the one who, who looked at 8chan, uh, looked at the misogyny and violence and mayhem and misery, misery on 8chan and said, Yeah, I can That's use that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I can, let's I can fucking yeah. cover that in, in Breitbart and blow it up as much as possible and put the most psychotic op we can think of Milo fucking Yiannopoulos on it to really get it going. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, imagine this, like looking at that crazy ass cult that was doxing people, getting people hurt and killed and, and so many people traumatized, you know, from getting trolled and, and, you know, just attacked, yep. um, you know, imagine looking at that and go, fuck yeah, let's, let's yep. do more of that. Those, those are the people that I want, right? Yeah. It's the group, this group of people that I want to represent. To hey, Hitler had the Hitler youth. Bannon yeah, right. 4chan and 8chan. It's so terrifying. But to quote Mike Ness from Social Distortion, I think we're looking at a lot of sick boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to stop them from proliferating. And I hope our show uh, makes a dent in some way. Um, Because, again, we don't see the same narrative in America anymore. And that's one of the through lines here. We're trying to get people an opportunity to see the same, just the same thing, which we used to do. We used to be able to see the same thing. So to to quote, to quote Fagazi, promises are shit. Oh my gosh. Um, so in any case, thank you so much, High Fidelity. That was an incredible opening news block. And uh, I am very appreciative of the work that goes into this. And now we're going to get on to Jim's Hellscape. And Uh-oh. before here we, go, we move on, this is this is uh, Sean's moment here. Yeah. Here we go. It's my moment. <laughs> Jim Stewartson's Hellscape. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, back to... Yeah, oh, fuck is right. Back, back yeah. to seriousness again. <laughs> oh, man. So, guys, we just... We, we have a guest here, so uh, do you want to bring him in now? Uh, well, uh, that's, that's Jim's call. Do you want to bring Dave in for the hellscape, or do you want to... Uh, I figured we'd save our guest let's, for after uh, the let's hellscape. Just... 
Yeah, we'll go through. We'll do our let's, little ten minutes here, and uh, yes. and then we'll get started. Yes. Yeah, so with let's, Dave. Uh, let let Dave know, and we will uh, be revealing which Dave we are all talking about after we get through <laughs> the hellscape. <laughs> He's Dave. Dave, we love Dave. Dave's Dave. Important. I can't wait to do the Dave intro. <laughs> uh, so no, seriously though, you broke a lot of news this week, and uh, there were some people that got very hurt and. Who got hurt this week, Jim? Um, well, the the first person I wanted to talk about was an eight year old. Um, do we have that video? Let's uh, let's see what uh, what our because we were talking about Hitler Youth before. Yeah, right. Uh, and we were talking about CRT. Well, let's let's um, talk through it and then see if Sean busts out the video because he might be uh, talking to Dave at the moment. Here we uh, When you when you touch the mask to put it on you, your hands have like they can have hundreds of bacteria on your hands. Then when you take the filter and put it inside your mask, and then you have to touch it. Then you put on your mask and then you breathe in all those bacteria and get sick. You just broke my heart. So that child has been trained, obviously. Uh, in that little, you know, insane story that, you know, doesn't exist <laughs> at all, that none of that was real or true. Like, um, and it is really important that we understand that the reason why they they go after the, you know, the, the woke uh, cult and, you know, they use all those terms and they, they're uh, ginning up the CRT boogeyman is because they need to project onto something what they are actually doing and what they are actually doing is indoctrinating our children both through the through their parents through the schools through disinformation online through their friends um and it's really important that we understand that the damage that's being done is not just to grown-ups who are you know getting brainwashed on telegram uh, it's to kids who are really confused, um, who, um, I, 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 there was one last week where a kid came home and he was really mad at his mom because his mom was going to make him get a vaccine. And his mom, um, was heartbroken because the trust between her and her son had been broken by a cult that made its way into a school through a history teacher. So, and that teacher is going to be disciplined according to the union's uh, guidelines. We are just not coming to grips with the fact that, that this disinformation poison is affecting our kids as much as it is the adults. And, and I'd like to point out, Jim, like there is a historical basis for this. If you look at the rise of National Socialism and how Hitler and that whole movement was sold with propaganda, how youth were indoctrinated through the Hitler youth, it, it, it is textbook. They're following the exact same playbook. It is I, absolutely textbook. How, how do people not recognize this? Well, they, you know, they sort of do in bits and pieces, but it's hard for people to. 
the more frightening thing to me is 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 so what if they do recognize it well right you know because you have the polarization is is is, is gotten so extreme that uh you know the even creating a a, a shared reality with which to to construct a, a conversation is difficult you know it, so it you, is you, there's I mean, there are, there are things that, that we can do though that's true. There are clear things to do, right? Yep. And well, there's. I've been does... looking. Narr- narrative theory is uh has been really intriguing me lately. Where, you know, you ask someone their story, you know, um, and so you you sort of create a foundation there, and yeah. with the hopes of creating a narrative that can absorb their story and your story as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that's they're... really interesting, actually. Yeah, because um, and the the point that stories are actually the way that we communicate between us is really important like if like think about like you're five years old and you touch a stove and it's hot right how do you remember that you 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 remember a story the story is i I fucking touched the stove and it burnt me really bad so not only do you get afraid of stoves which is appropriate but you get afraid of hot stuff in general, right? right. Like that's, that's right. how that that's how that's how stories work. And those stories, if they're constructed like a virus, they're constructed badly, that same power can be used against you. And that's what's happening. You're not talking about memetic warfare now, are you, Jim? I, I am talking about <laughs> I mean that's 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 what's so memetic warfare. That's right. And where did we learn about memetic warfare from the uh, paper that Jeff Garcia wrote? Yeah, for NATO. For NATO. For 2007, about literal. Stratcom. Yeah. Memetic warfare. So you. you Oh, and Jeff Garcia works for Peter Thiel. Thiel. My my concern, obviously, there's a million concerns about what you just uh, brought us, is in 2018, I did an investigative look on de-Trumpification and how do we de-Trumpify our country. And it became very clear to me that we've lost 30% and we just have lost them temporarily and that's all we got. And it was so clear to me that we had to hold the line on the sane majority and and keep them. They're getting picked off one at a time, whether it's the yoga (coughs) mind, the wellness community, whatever it is, they're getting picked off. I anecdotally are losing people in my life that I never thought I would lose whether it's the anti-vax, whatever the anti-fear that they're selling. And so um, obviously this yeah. is a great concern and I'm glad you brought it up. And now I think that you also did a major thread on Flynn last week and multiple things from General Michael Flynn. One of them was his projection on Fox and Tucker Carlson. And there was some interest, uh, interesting threads you put out about his Q rhetoric so let's just get mm-hmm. right to one of the uh, architects of this misery. <laughs> yeah, the general. He's he's. So I was saying before, there are things that we can do, right? Um, the first thing we can do is arrest Mike Flynn, because Mike Flynn is a guy who, since 2015, has been waging cognitive war on the United States. Yeah. Um, military style psychological operations are part of that and we'll get into that more um but now he's on tucker apparently he's going to be there on the time all the time just straight up doing 
QAnon conspiracy theory shit. Um, so, uh, hey, Sean, do we have that, that Tucker clip? Former well, National well. Security Advisor Michael Flynn has been subpoenaed by the January 6th Commission. He joins us tonight. General, thanks so much for coming on. So what do you make of what's happening to Steve? Since you're in a similar position, uh, what do you make of what's happening to Steve yeah. Bannon tonight? Well, I think it's I think it's it shows the speed in which the Democratic Party is moving to confirm their complete takeover of this country. Tucker, there's no other way to put it. So Flynn, you know, is in the process of trying to take over our country. He he came in from the top with Trump and now he's coming up from the bottom through school boards, through anti-vax, through big lie, through all that shit. Yeah, right. And um, and so so there is something to be done. And the point of that clip was just that yeah, Mike Flynn uh, is projecting. Mike Flynn is trying right. to take over the country. Almost every sentence that comes out of his mouth that accuses somebody of something is what he's doing himself, which is you know straight up just Goebbels from, you know, the propaganda minister of the Nazis. That was rule number one, accuse the other of that which you are doing yourself. Yeah, right. One thing I will say, and I'm sure Hi-Fi has some thoughts too, is that in the last like 24, 48 hours, and maybe it's because Judd Apatow tweeted, you know, uh, some variation of suck my balls, Flynn. He didn't exactly say that, but it was close. I feel like there's almost like all this work that you've been doing to expose Mike Flynn uh, for the danger that he is. I feel like in the last like maybe 24 hours ish, 36 hours ish, I've seen a lot more people high profile just basically saying, yeah, this guy's dangerous. And we weren't really hearing that. He was doing his little uh, leadership conferences in the fringy churchy areas uh, and you were documenting them. People were managing to minimize those things, right? Right. And there's a concerted effort to minimize things around Flint. And he he does play that aw shucks sort of card very well, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. But there's also whenever, you know, and me particularly, when I put stuff out about Flynn, the stuff gets minimized. Um, yeah. And, you know, like when Flynn did a, a prayer to a Christian church, oh, unbeknownst yeah. to them of theosophy, which is absolutely heretical to everybody who was saying that prayer. Um you know, got turned into a dumbass story about somehow QAnon supporters are calling Flynn satanic. Mm. That was just a disinformation, you know, bomb. That was that was uh, bad information being put on top of important stuff. Wow. And, uh, yeah. We need to. Uh, you. I think the the thing with the the one God one religion thing is. Everybody, basically, except for white male fascists who follow Mike Flynn, were like, right. hold up. Yeah. What, the, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about, bro? That's what do you right. mean one religion? Whose religion? Right? Well, which, which Christianity, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, when, when I put out the, here's him doing doomsday cult ideology in <laughs> enormous mm-hmm. church, 
that was that that was easier to debunk than Mike Flynn saying, "Yeah, we should have one country, one God, um, you know, uh, one religion." Which, by the way, is precisely the KKK America First slogan uh, from the twenties. Wow. One God, one religion. Right. Can, can we also anything. point out that this is the viewpoint of Islamic extremists as mm. well? I mean. Theocratic fascism is theocratic fascism, I regardless of the book that you I have. I fully agree. But you right know? now, it's not the Islamic fascists I'm worried about. No, it's There's the plenty Christian of those. fascists right now. Those are, <laughs> and they're not even really Christian. They're, what is this, theosophy? You know? Well, no, there's a lot of Christians who have been turned into, into this into the cult, right? Yeah. Like the cult. Well, the Catholics, I guess. Yeah. The whole Opus Dei. Well, every single denomination has been infiltrated by this cult. All of them. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for that uh, fair warning and for bringing us that um, really serious, serious news. And I'm glad to go back to what Hi-Fi brought us at the top. I am glad that he's being subpoenaed and that maybe his time on the propaganda network, uh, you know, will be cut short, but you know, that we won't know that for a minute. Um, before we bring on our guest, did you want to discuss this uh, NATO report that you dissected or would you prefer to do that with Dave? Um. Yeah, actually, why don't we just, we can talk about that with Dave. Dave yeah, let's bring, about this. so just a brief Dave intro. has lectured in, uh, in, in PSYOPs. So, yes. I'm just going to do, hey guys. Oh, look, at, look at him. He looks like he's lecturing in PSYOPs right now. I, I look just, like Winnie the Pooh also, but that's <laughs> another problem. I, I want, I wanna, <laughs> let me just do a quick intro on Dave Troy, because I have something special to say about this disinformation uh, expert and historian. I do investigative pieces for Byline Times in the UK. I was in the middle of doing a, a report with Dave Troy on some of the history and intersectionality of the extreme right-wing uh, faction in, in America and where they intersect with uh, Kremlin extremists. And it was like two in the morning and I got chilled to the fricking bone because I knew how serious uh, this was. And we talk about the weird intersection between the extreme right and some of the, you know, foreign uh, fuckery. But Dave really laid it out. And so I just wanted to make sure I introed you yeah. that way. Heidi, I thought you just said you got chilled to the bone because you looked on Twitter and Dave had scooped you. <laughs> oh, that's true too, actually. That's true too. He actually wrote he does. He does it all the time. Yeah, you know what? But I'm happy because this is all about putting out information and truth. And where I feel very exactly. safe with Dave Troy is that you bring us the history. And to me, that's very important because I become a lot less scared when I have a perspective and a framework for some of these characters. If some of this has been done before, 70 years ago, 50 years ago, I feel safer. Like, OK, I've got a place where I can start from. So I, I don't. And the reason is the, the reason is because because when Dave goes back fifty to seventy years, he's going back to the same plot that we're in right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's right. not it's not it a little it's not history. <laughs> it's yes. like the yes. same people doing the same shit. 
like, of them aren't dead just, yet, you know? That's some the of, like, like yeah. Jack Singlow, for yeah. God's sake. He ain't dead he was yet. in the OSS. <laughs> help found, help, he founded the CIA. <laughs> like, yeah. Can yep. I just point out that in corporate America, crappy managers will take the same playbook yeah. and they'll just repeat it endlessly. And like when they move companies, they'll just run that same playbook at that new company. What we are experiencing is the same crappy fascist managers rerunning their playbook. That's right. So uh, part of the, re obviously yeah. my, my and interest just, in all, please go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Well, I was I just was... going to say that, uh, you know, Steve Bannon was very explicit in saying that, uh, you know, he, he thought that the 2020s was going to be just like the 1930s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, frankly, he's ripping a lot of the same plays right out of that, you know, decade. And, um, you know, so it's not surprising. It's shaping up to feel a bit like that. Yeah. All I was going to say was that, uh, and you're exactly right, Hi-Fi, um, in the corporate sector, and some of the documents that I've read and been exposed to, you know, a company or uh, a consulting company or a third party will come up with a new strategy, technique, or approach, right? Uh, and then once that catches, it filters through the rest of the, the multinational corporations, you know? So if there's a new way to, uh, you know, sell uh, something at a percentage point for a group purchasing organization to sell to 5,000 hospitals, well, this, the healthcare company will do it, and then the next one will, and then yeah. all like dominoes, they'll all fall down the line. Um, uh, and on that happy note, I would love to, because there's a few things that we definitely want to get from Dave while we continue this, but I'd love um, Jim to queue up uh, that NATO explainer that you did. And so, uh, well, you... I mean, first of all, let me just explain real briefly. Um, Dave and I connected in August 2020. I think that's I think right. That's right. Maybe July, August, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. No, I I started August second, in on okay. this crazy ass thing, and I think, and I I reached out to uh, to to cult expert uh, Stephen Hassan. Yeah. And uh, who connected me with Dave and Dave and I were <laughs> in the darkest possible zones you can ever imagine for many months. Uh, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. And uh, we found out a lot. <laughs> we got sent down some crazy ass pathways, but we did find out a lot. And I think it launched us into some very important directions. So I wanted to publicly thank Dave, who did a hell of a lot more than he ever wanted to take credit yeah. for. Dave is a fantastic connector, isn't he? He uh, put me in touch with an expert on... Uh basically jack dorsey i was looking into elon musk and jack dorsey for a potential uh solar panel litigation case and so dave was nice enough to put me in touch with one of his associates in new york and really helped me sort of flush out that relationship yeah yeah like, cool. like yeah well. none of us wanted to do this like we were saying we all had hobbies in a we've life all been drafted <laughs> we all had hobbies yeah yeah but i think it's civic duty at this point so i'm very grateful to all of you and um yeah, so there's a few things I want to talk about, and I want Dave to basically dumb down why crypto is such a danger. I'd also like him to talk about whatever is most urgent uh, that he wants to get out, what he would like people to think about or possibly action steps they can take. And then I think it's very important that we have that conversation on the cognitive 
uh, thread that Jim did so people can kind of understand. This is a show about disinformation, how to, where we find it and how to fight it. And so the more information, the better scopes we have, you know, the better, the merrier. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and so I guess maybe to start on the crypto thing, um, you know, it's sort of a complicated terrain and that's part of why it makes it difficult to kind of, you know, for people to get their heads around it. But just some, you know, really basic background on kind of, uh, you know, monetary policy and, you know, where uh, our ideas about money come from. Uh, You know, just going back to say like the late 1800s in the United States, and I'm going to kind of limit my comments to United States, United States for the moment. Um, You know, the the, uh, gold standard had become kind of like a de facto, uh, you know, reality in America you know, from some of the earliest days into the, throughout most of the 19th century. And by the time that the late 19th century came around, um, you know, gold was, you know, just sort of like what people had been using as, you know, the basis for currency. So you could redeem, you know, a dollar in exchange for gold and, you know, gold and dollars were sort of treated interchangeably based on a redemption formula. And so this created, you know, a fairly, you know, sound basis for money, but it also made it so that if we ever needed like a lot of money quickly or there was anything weird going on in the economy, we didn't necessarily have kind of enough money, you know, that could be backed up by gold to, you know, sort of get the money where we needed it. So you ended up with these kind of liquidity crunches and we're we're familiar today with liquidity crunches from, you know, situations like 2008 where, you know, their banks didn't want to lend money, which made it impossible for deals to go through. So all kinds of secondary follow-on effects around money, you know, became an issue. And so um, around the late 1890s, uh, there was a, um, you know, push to adopt other, metals, specifically silver, as the basis for currency. And um, so that was called bimetallism. And Williams, William Jennings Bryan was the primary advocate of bimetallism. And the idea was there'd just be more money and more kind of liquidity. So therefore, farmers could get paid and we could deal with droughts and, you know, shit that was going on in the country at a, at a large scale. So, um, you know, that, that kind of, uh, you know, made sense to people. But at, at the time, the gold standard was kind of considered, you know, the, the most, you know, honest form of sound money and sort of favored by the industrialist class. And so they were successful in getting William McKinley, who was elected in 1896 as president to pass the U.S. Gold Standard Act in 1900, which established the gold standard starting in 1900. And then when World War I came around, it was necessary to get off of the gold standard. Um, and then we went back onto it for a little bit in the 20s, and then when the Depression happened in 1933, 32, uh, you know, Roosevelt came in, wanted to do the New Deal, and said, listen, here's the deal. We need a lot of money in order to fund all these New Deal programs, and we don't have enough gold reserves to back all the money that we need to do this, so we're just going to not, you know, basically allow redemption of dollars for gold. And also, by the way, we're going to make it illegal for anybody but the U.S. government to to hold physical gold um, in any kind of quantity. Mm -hmm. So that was done via an executive order. And um, in 1933, 
uh, a bunch of industrialists decided that maybe what would be best is to have a raid on Washington where they recruited a, a group of 500,000 veteran super soldiers from World War I who were also, by the way, pissed right. about not getting their bonuses from World War I mm. uh, because they weren't supposed to be paid until 1945 and they were concerned that by the time they were paid in 1945, they would be worthless because mm-hmm. of concerns over inflation. Mm-hmm. So they recruited a general uh, named Smedley Butler to lead this army of 500,000 super soldiers and he was a very well-respected, decorated veteran and, you know, somebody that, that carried a lot of weight with the veteran community. And they asked him, you know, would he lead this operation? And also, would he mind, you know, giving speeches in favor of the gold standard at a bunch of different events and whatnot, specifically to, like, the American Legion and stuff like that? So he was like, uh, okay, uh, you know, tell me more about your plan. Uh, it sounds kind of weird, but, you know, tell me more. So he kind of led them along for a few months and eventually had enough information on them to kind of turn them in. So he he reported them to Congress, and Congress was like, wait, what? You know, we're just going to lead a, a group of super soldiers to overthrow Congress? And, you know, this all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It's basically the same plan, just recycled. So, um yeah, it sure does. Yeah, exactly. So basically, <laughs> Congress held hearings. Uh, they determined that Smedley Butler was, in fact, telling the truth and that, in fact, there was this plot that was put together by, like, J.P. Morgan and Dow Chemical and Remington Firearms and um, all these people from, you know, industrial world, melons and scafes and that kind of group. And um, then they proceeded to, uh, you know, release their findings, at which point the media discredited Butler and said that he was nuts and then he was senile. Of course, he was 52, you know, so right. he's really old. You know, I think a couple of us are around that age. Oh, yeah. And um, that, That's my age. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Could, I'm a little younger that. than you, but still, I mean, we're, we're obviously getting to that point where we can't be trusted. So at any rate, you know, the, the industrialists, they all owned these newspapers uh, and, the, you know, other media, and they didn't really report on it, and they just smeared Butler the way that we see people smeared today in disinformation campaigns around this kind of stuff. And, you know, the whole episode just kind of faded into American history. I had never heard of it and, myself and the- until I kind of came across it this year. And then, you know, I know enough other American history to kind of plug it into that framework and have a sense yep. of what was going on. But essentially, that was, you know, the the first version of this, and it was all about the gold standard. So, you know, when you look at the history of, say, like the Coke operation and their connections in with, um, you know, that exact same group of industrialists and the gold standard and the IAM cult and all the things that we've been tracking, um, you know, their whole thing. And in fact, the Cokes and Mercers and George Gilder and the Council for National Policy and all those people, Mark Skousen and Freedom Fest, they're all obsessed with the gold standard. So, um, you know, how does the gold standard translate into today? Like, how, do, how is that being pushed forward? Well, in 1997, um, a guy named James Dale Davidson and William Reese Mogg, and if Reese Mogg sounds familiar, it's because William Reese Mogg was the editor of the Times of London, and his son, Jacob Reese Mogg, was the biggest proponent of hard Brexit. Um, right. They wrote a book called The Sovereign Individual, which is all about how you know, people, individuals should not be, you know, uh, under the the thumb of the state and that they should uh, go to wherever they can get the best deal on taxes and, uh, you know, not be taxed and all of this. And oh, by the way, the future is going to be, you know, using digital currency, what they called um, uh, 
I guess like digital cash or something like that, cyber cash maybe. Right. Um, and uh, you know, this would be the basis of the future and it would put this, the, you know, state governments out of uh, the business of, you know, printing money and running, running banks. And so, um, you know, that, that book later had in subsequent editions, the foreword was written by Peter Thiel. Of um, and, right. uh, you know, it's basically a blueprint for a lot of what we're seeing now. And it was put out in 1997. So Dave, um, did you read, did you read the, uh, uh, Dave Gruber's, uh, history of money? Did you read that? I have not, I'm aware of it. And, um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's on tragic. my list. Also his new book, I mean, even though he's dead, he just has released yeah. this new book with the other guy, We Grow or something, right. about the history of civilization and whatnot. But I mean, similar topics well, covered there, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. What a loss. So why, so why is this magic internet money a danger to democracy? What, what do you think? Yeah. About so it's a danger to democracy for the same reasons that the gold standard was a danger to, the, to democracy. Basically, the thesis of the gold standard and, and also with crypto is that central bankers and you know policymakers are evil dumb can't be trusted trying to take your money whatever it is and so they should be denied the the, the ability to make any decisions about you know monetary policy Got by it. way of creating a system that removes them from the equation Got it. So essentially, you know, the gold standard does that by way of, well, you know, there's gold Physical out in the wild limitation. and people, yeah. yeah, and it's just like they don't have any real purview over that to speak of. I mean, Got it. Roosevelt tried to do that, you know, to some extent and, you know, you can kind of be somewhat successful with that, but it's the same thing with the, with the crypto world. And so the idea being that like, you know, okay, well, you know, governments in Nigeria or Myanmar or, you know, wherever you want to name where you know, there's Zimbabwe, there's been hyperinflation and, you know, bad management and, and uh, you know, failed governments and all that kind of thing. Th these kinds of tools, including gold, you know, can be useful in terms of sort of disempowering a corrupt state and empowering the individual. And you kind of look at that and go, well, well you know, it seems kind of true and, and probably useful. And then you kind of take and translate that same, you know, equation over into the United States and you say, well, you know, in the United States, we you know we actually have a pretty functioning democracy, or at least we try. Mm -hmm. And we like to think that that's our shared project, you know, even though it's a little delusional, but you know, it's, it's, it's what we think we're doing, right? And, right. Um, you know, when you basically say, oh, well, we're going to impose this monetary system that, you know, really isn't under state control in any way and, you know, is yeah. kind of acts like gold and is subject to all of the same boom and bust kind of properties that it has, it not to mention all of the you know, potential mis abuse by people right. conducting organized crime I mean, and money laundering and all that. It was well, called just, mining for a reason, right? Like yeah. right. the, the, energy if, if you, if you think about what it takes, uh, what gold does, right. There's still gold to be found. It's just really fucking hard to find it. Right. right? right. It's, it becomes more and more expensive to find it the longer right. and longer it goes. Yep. Bitcoin is literally, designed that same way right the first ones are relatively easy to find and the heart and the longer and longer it goes the harder and harder and more right. expensive it gets exactly the same way so it's this this sort of artificial limiting factor to the total quantity yeah which it's creates scarcity a, it's a scarcity, scarcity problem yeah, which, exactly. which creates pressure in any environment right if you're trying to grow something yeah like and you you keep a single variable static like everything else has to grow around it and right. you know eventually uh that's just literally a bubble that's going to pop 
Yeah, then, I mean, it, it kind of can't not to some extent. Um, and, you know, people will say, well, you know, the bubble will pop, but then it'll come back and it'll do this and that. And, like, it's one of these things that's going to be a volatile back and forth kind of as- asset for a good while. But right now what it's also doing is it's undermining, you know, the control and say that, uh, you know, the state governments, you know, the United States government has over its economy and right. over how stuff works. And it's right. also pulling people into a bunch of crazy unregulated pyramid schemes. I mean, right. to be really frank about it. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I support the right of people to invest in alternative investments and lose money, uh, you know, that they want to risk. But at the same time, like there's a lot of really vulnerable people that have been pulled into this because, you know, they they want to be become financially secure. They maybe haven't been financially secure. They're borrowing money sometimes to get into this. I mean, yeah. if, if when this thing busts, there's going to be all kinds of people who are completely blown, blown out by it and just so, not just worth nothing, but worth negative amounts of money because of the leverage that they have on it. Yeah. And there's a few things that I've noticed the becoming more problematic. One, obviously, is the environmental cost of the mining, right? And the computational energy required. Um as well as the uh, relative ease of manipulation of these markets, as we've seen with Dorsey and Musk, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sort of at their whim, uh, creating these false inflation, these false uh, uh, bubbles uh, uh, and runs on these various uh, coins. But uh, the environmental impact, I, I, and I, again, I can't find the source that I trust one over the other. Some say that, you know, it's absolutely not that big of a deal. Some say it's going to, you know, increase the, the carbon emissions, you know, by X factor. Um, and so it's really hard to find out, uh, in, you know, in a, to find an authority to to see exactly what the cost of this uh, increased necessity for power just to be mining these uh, these digital currencies are. I, right. I like, and, go ahead. I was going to say I like Charlie Munger's statement. I just pulled it up. Uh, he basically called Bitcoin disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization, and he said, "I don't welcome a currency." that's so useful to kidnappers and extortionists. And he also criticized it for the extreme volatility and lack of regulation. He's Warren Buffett's, you know, money guy. And the, to, be the, to be the chosen currency of kidnappers and extortionists might play well in certain sec- segments of society, but I think that does not bode well. But you gave, you gave a really great explainer and I'd love to hear Jim and Hi-Fi's takeaway on this, like high concept to break it down to people. So people who might not understand fiat currency can kind of get an idea of the danger. Look, it's, it's, it's pretend money. (laughs) Doesn't the only, the only value it has is whatever the value is that the bid and ask in a, in the market of Bitcoin gives it right. There is no inherent value to it at all. And it's, you know, other than in, I guess, El Salvador, is that where they turned yeah. it into the national currency? Mm-hmm. Um, a a national currency. I don't think it's a, the a, only right. one, but yeah. Yes. But, you know, in that case, I guess you could say it has value, although it's backed by the El, El Salvador government, which I'm not, you know what I mean? I like, love El Salvador. And, I've been there, but if it's yeah, backed I'm by sure, the government. Sure, beautiful place, but <laughs> like not, not the most stable economy mm-hmm. in the world that you'd want to base a currency on, right? Correct. And and so um, my that my concern about it is that a it, it appears to be designed to be a scarce commodity, 
and um, putting any basing an economy on that is is folly. I think we've, you know, at least a large growing economy. Um, and frankly, it's just obviously being used by anarcho capitalists yes. like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk. And if you just go out onto Twitter and look around, yeah. every single like there is a a very tight overlap between a lot of the fascism that's going on out there in general and crypto. Um, you know, the the Christchurch shooter yeah. uh, made his the reason why he was able to um, take a couple of years off before he went and killed 51 Muslims is because he made a bunch of money on BitConnect, which was a Bitcoin ripoff that somehow this guy managed managed to get money out of and then go get himself trained up on a killing spree. Let's, so, let's like, not there, forget. There's, there always, always seems to be that element when it comes mm -hmm. to this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the other thing that concerns me that I will shut up is that Satoshi, which is the the origin story theoretically of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. is a LARP. It is by definition a live action role play character. There there it, it could be one person, it could be any number of people. And I will just say it's Peter Thiel. So anyway. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Carry on. High five summary. All right. So yeah, uh money laundering is huge. Let's not forget that Nicolas Fuentes, before the January 6th insurrection, got $500,000 from a French programmer who subsequently committed suicide. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's huge. Um, okay. Uh, environmental impact. One data point I do know is that when there was an outage at a Chinese coal mining energy plant, Bitcoin mining in China dropped by like 40%. All right. So that's a valid data point. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, it, look, it 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 it's like oil, right? Like shale oil was not economical to to um, drill for for many many years because the price of oil was too low. Over time, the price of oil got to the point where it became economical to go into Canada and do a whole bunch of you know pressure shit that you have to do in the rock in order to get the oil out, right? It's the same with Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin's 60 grand. I remember literally on Facebook, people try to push it at me at like 15 cents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, the, the higher it goes and it will go higher before it blows, um, the more desperate people will get to get new Bitcoins, right? If a Bitcoin is 150 grand, like <laughs> you, you, you'll blow a lot of power to get that. Right. Yeah, the resource so it's, consumption. So it's a progressive. It's a progressive disease, as it were, which is yeah. by design. Well, that was super illuminating, and I think I finally understand it. And I hope that our viewers will get a really good sense of why it's important to pay attention to this. And please follow Dave Troy on Twitter because he's going to continually. Right. He's going to continually bring us this very important news, and he does a great job of making it as high concept as possible so people can try to grab onto uh, something that really makes sense to them. We're already at the hour, but I feel like with Dave here, we should A, ask Dave what's on his mind from last week, 
or something that's really burning that you want people to know about as far as the disinformation wars go. And then I'd like to just have a quick discussion on the thread that we talked about, the NATO thread. So anything that's important to you that you want to make sure that you spit out to our viewers, uh, that's very critical for them to know about at this moment. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, please, you know, do check out, uh, you know, my Twitter account, Dave Troy, and then also uh, I'm doing a weekly newsletter called Situation Report, where I'm just kind of summarizing some of the key stories right. that I think are not being really recovered anywhere else. Um, uh, and you can find that at davetroy.medium.com. Um, as far as, you know, sort of the current situation, I'm concerned about December 3rd and the raising of the debt limit, because if for whatever reason uh, that isn't done or there is a lot of drama around it, that's going to create uncertainty, which will help the sort of crypto cult. And I'd also like to reach out to people that are, I would, you know, consider, who consider themselves politically progressive, um, who are, you know, interested in cryptocurrencies and in blockchain and stuff like that, and are perhaps dismayed that at the degree to which um, this whole thing is, you know, sort of co-opted by uh, right-wing fascists. Um, I think that we need to start to spark kind of a schism in the uh, cryptocurrency world right between people who are, uh, you know, legitimately, you know, progressive and people who are, you know, not uh, on the far right and maybe signed up with Austrian economics. Because uh, right. I think that there's a lot of well-intentioned, you know, centrist, moderates, leftists who have been pulled into crypto land on the promise of technological innovation. And I think that's valid. And I think that there's some things that can be done there. But I think that there needs to be a clear adoption of a certain set of values. Um, and I think we need to be recommitting ourselves to democratic governance principles and find ways Hell to distance yeah. ourselves from folks on the right who are just basically aiming to do what the you know, business plot people were doing in 1933. Hell it's really yeah. not, not different and we need to make it different. So I, I call on people to start to have those conversations. Here, here, here. Yeah. Hell yeah. At some point we'll be calling out the paid influencers too, who are being paid to be shills for this world. And uh, they need to know exactly what they're supporting and why. So thank you for that. That was excellent. And Jim, can we just point people to your NATO thread and can you give us some broad strokes about it? Cause I think it's, very important that we explain how disinformation is seeded and how we are essentially being directed to destroy ourselves from within. Yeah, it's it's uh, a, a concept that NATO called cognitive warfare, which I found to be very apt. It comes by many other terms as well. Uh, Michael Aquino and Paul Vallelli uh, who were both uh, at the time, I believe, colonels um, in the early 80s in Fort Bragg, uh, wrote a paper called Mind War, um, which describes a basically sort of uh, full spectrum disinformation campaign against a population. So it's it's wherever you can influence people, you do it. Um, and the the basic difference is that psyops have been around for a long time in war, but they've always been as a support function to kinetic war. Um, they they were never until the this concept came up. They were never an end into themselves, 
and the idea of mind war or cognitive warfare is that no actually you can completely change a population by inundating them with disinformation and applying a whole bunch of other psychological pressure and um my after going through a whole bunch of them, having read a whole bunch of documents from Michael Aquino, Paul Vallelli, you know, um, going back, um, there is no doubt in my mind that that is what we're experiencing right now in some form or another. Um, I, I, I don't yeah, claim to know which exactly which version Flynn and others are pulling from. There's also yeah. a huge store of, um, you know, obviously psyop uh information in putin's yeah <laughs> uh, military intelligence yeah. and, and, and that's is clearly connected here and, and one, so right. so my my um the the overall idea of cognitive warfare is you can take all of these kind of individual psyops right these individual things that you used to do to soften up a population or change an opinion here or there and you yeah. combine them all together so that you create conditions that either flip the country to being who you wanted them to be in the first place whatever mm -hmm. that was or you basically create enough chaos in the country that it blows itself up and then you can swoop in and do whatever you yeah. want and right. that, Jim, one of the, in my opinion, one of the, is what there you Flynn go. is doing. And one of the more interesting things, Jim, that uh, that you brought up between the Russian psyops and, and the American psyops, particularly coming out of this cognitive warfare, is the the rules of engagement, right, for war and for use and application of uh, a cognitive warfare, right. The right. Russia has an advantage in this area because they don't follow typically any rules of engagement for uh, wartime wartime. Yeah versus not not wartime right. so there's a constant full frontal pressure of all everything under the sun available to them in terms of psyops and cognitive warfare which in americans would uh either not engage unless there's a federal uh an official declaration of war mm -hmm. um so it's the, the russians fascists always have right because yes. they are right. only concerned with power that right. is That's all right. they care about and so if all you care about is power, the rules do not matter, much less fucking norms. Right. Well, there's no, and yeah, there's are, no off we switch. We are too, too busy still worried about powdered wigs and norms and like yeah. who gives a shit what political pressure you're going to get next year. There's not going to be a next year, you yeah. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do for our viewers exactly. is uh, one of my most popular threads is of a handbook of Russian information warfare, which really exposes how they do their thing. I'm going to combine that thread with your thread so people can get it all in one place. And Dave, before we lose you, a final comment on what Jim just brought up. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been this kind of uh, ongoing program of psychological warfare against the American people. And, you know, I think what people maybe don't fully understand is just kind of how it works. Basically, you know, the whole process of it is to divide people into separate target audiences and then fling information payloads at them that will move them to take on certain behaviors. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with what the content of the information is or what the beliefs are or whatever. It's all about how do you poke people and make them respond in a certain way. And, um, right. you know, so you have to almost become divorced a little bit from like the meaning of the language and just look at how groups are manipulated. And we've become, I think we're not yet 
you know good at that at all we're still no. caught up and like they said this they said that and so, whatever you <laughs> like, know it's like, like dude what is this group of people that's agitated and why are they agitated and who did it you know that's right. the kind of level of mechanics we need to understand have you oh, seen yeah. my whiteboard on cybernetics dave i don't cybernetics think so. yeah yeah yeah, uh, cybernetics is basically, a, it's just, it's a feedback loop. You get yeah. data, you process yeah. it. Okay, this is how I want to change it. This is what I'm going to do. All right, mm -hmm. I did it. Let's see what happens. And, and that's what's being done to populations across America. And I right. would argue, actually, it's being done across the globe. Worldwide. Yes. Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the thing the thing that I've seen, guys, is, is, is most frightening is that, you know, these techniques have been perfected by the corporate sector for decades. You know, I mean, the way that they're they're able to, uh, uh, create a false sense of need or want from an that individual. Um, you know, these, these advertising. Yeah, oh man, these, long ass ways. These, right, these that method, stuff works. These methods have been perfected by PR yeah. companies. You know, digital agencies working together. Uh, yeah. And then once this massive acquisition of data uh, emerged, then it, it's almost it's 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 kind of it was game over. It has been for a while. Especially if yeah, you have I would just add that. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Palantir is a big part of it. And I would add, too, that American exceptionalism, which kind of trains us to think that we're better than the rest of the world, uh, and right. American individualism, which trains us to think that we are, you know, uh, individuals and that we're not su subject to collective manipulation, has really blinded us to all of this that's going on. And so we're just you like bet. little kids watching the magician who's doing the thing over here, but the hand is over here. And, you know, it's like, we're just completely lost in terms of what's going on and, and really need to catch up. So well, can I offer two quick books that people I think should check sure. out if they really want to catch up quickly on what's going on and what's being done to the population, read about the Discordians mm -hmm. and, and read uh, Robert Anton Wilson's Illuminatus trilogy. I For mean, sure. that is, that's the literature version of what's being done to the globe right now. We'll go ahead and post all of that on our Twitter uh, so everybody can find it there. And uh, one thing I want to say before Dave leaves is that he gave me the most beautiful piece of information when I interviewed him for Byline. And that is if you want to change someone's point of view, you need to change their friends. And I'm just putting that out there because it helped me so much in dealing with people in my family and in my life and seeing where they get their information and how they've been radicalized. It's not easy to change someone's friends, but hopefully that might help plant a seed uh, as somebody's trying to grapple with going home for a holiday dinner and how are they going to deal with their radicalized family members. Dave, we love you. Thank you for joining great us. Great to be here. Love you guys. Thanks, Dave. And, it's great. Uh, great. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. So excited Thanks. to have Dave on our maiden voyage here. You're Absolutely. rad. He's so rad. So this is what is so exciting about this show. I'm not Dave Troy. Get that. Dave, I, I don't deserve <laughs> that. I don't deserve Dave's. Dave's. Dave tweets good at Dave Troy. So what <laughs> I'm really excited about is that this show ends with an upbeat bang because Sean Connor, our uh, brilliant visualist, offers a digital descent. So let's bring Sean yeah. back to offer his digital descent so we can have a, uh, a nice so, way to end this episode, which was kick-ass, by the way. So this was uh, a, <clears throat> this is an honor of, uh, I guess we didn't get into it in too detail, but an honor of Mike Flynn being Q. So this was, uh, this was a, 
the song I did with uh, taking Tim Heidegger edits from one of his uh, podcasts and uh, came up with this. Uh, I'll play probably about a minute, minute and a half, and then I'll put a link up for the rest of it. Thank you so much, Sean. HRC extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passports approved to be flagged effective 10 slash 30 at 12.01 a.m. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. Others will conduct the operation on an activated and proof check. Locate and never address the fact that it occurred 10 slash 30 across most major cities. being so cool <laughs> yeah uh, i'll post a link for the rest of it but uh basically yeah. our our character here has been radicalized as QAnon. he goes you know to find out his friends aren't there for support and promptly has to re-enter the digital world only to find his psyche uh... starting to, to fracture he becomes multiple personalities has difficulty has no support um ultimately you have to watch the rest of it Got John, it. Oh. John Connor, you're a genius, and we are wow. honored to work with you. Now I have to go watch it again because yeah. I was just laughing because he was dancing real funny. And now he, now yeah, I... sneak, <laughs> you sneak, sneak it in there, get him dancing, get him laughing, and then sneak in the sneak in the, the heartbreaker, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, let's see it, how this goes. I guess I love the inclusion of the feds because, well, we know. Yeah. And then at at the end of the video, watch watch to see who's. Uh, orchestrated the whole thing there bye-bye oh my gosh well guys we've already gone 16 minutes over i expect that to be what happens every week because the show is already I'm, yeah. I'm inspired by by your talents and what we've been able to do on our first episode here and does anybody have any final thoughts anything they want to impart to our viewers before we uh you know get on to the next episode get off your ass do shit talk about shit do not be afraid of telling people, especially our leaders, uh, 
to stop fucking around and and fight this the the my main message that i keep trying to tell everyone it's not going to stop on its own it will not the it is designed to never ever stop it will not stop and the only way we're going to do that is if we fight it i don't mean physically i mean we need to have a plan to to fight this cognitive war that they are waging on us thank you for that jim yep there's there's no walking back down the stairs you know once you're on the second floor i mean it's not going to go away uh the 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 techniques the tools the technology is only going to get you know more powerful stronger they're going to get more data on you know more predictions on your behaviors um so it's a matter of of creating a narrative jim like we talked about creating a story uh and 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 finding someone else who can share that story to basically exactly. map out the to map out the new narrative going forward. Right on. Yeah. High five. I'm just thinking about all the tactics that are used. And like I just I, I spend so much time whiteboarding out how this is done. And and I don't know if people are really listening. Well, maybe just, we can take some of your whiteboard tactics and reapply them toward the fight for preserving hey it's our only our first episode man <laughs> yeah. they're not All right well they're anyway. not listening yet but we're gonna make them listen you watch they're, they're gonna okay they're gonna... yeah how, how do we explain a global a global fascist coup we're um do, we just we just get, we just started we just okay. we spent an hour yeah. starting yeah. it'll take us a few more i like to start with elon musk's tweet about we'll coup who we want because that's basically what they've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look around the globe, we're exposing them. So at least there is one place that people can go and go, all right, these guys are bringing us uh, the truth. And I hope that that's why we're calling it truth survives. We, we need truth to see sunlight to get through this. Uh, all, all I want to say is uh, I'm from San Francisco. I was born in San Francisco in the sixties and we march. So if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. But in the meantime, we're going to bring the news as best we can. And I love all you guys and just stay rad. Back at you. <laughs>